Section 6 of Pantrophion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Pantrophion by Alex Soyer. Grains, Seeds one of the most important was mustard seed. Pythagoras maintains, and no one has contradicted his assertion, that this seed occupied the first rank among alimentary substances which exercise a prompt influence on the brain. Indeed, the ancients attributed to it the same qualities that we do at the present day. Mustard, according to their opinion, excites the appetite, gives piquancy to meat, strengthens the stomach, and facilitates digestion. It is better suited, say they, to bilious constitutions than to lymphatic persons, and they recommend its use in summer rather than in winter. The good Pliny, always disposed to adopt, without much examination, any stories provided they were but slightly exaggerated, was convinced and infirms with his accustomed good humor that this plant is a sovereign remedy against the bite of the most venomous serpents. It is only necessary to apply it to the wound, and again, if taken inwardly, there is nothing to fear from the poisonous effects of certain mushrooms. The doctors of the nineteenth century are, apparently, little inclined to adopt the method recommended by the worthy naturalist. Mustard seed is only mentioned in the Bible as a term of comparison. Its alimentary qualities are nowhere indicated. The Romans and other nations after them fermented the seed in new sweet wine. It is from this, perhaps, we must seek for the origin of the word mustard. Mustum Ardens, burning wine. Some gastronomic writers give it another derivation, not generally adopted. This condiment, say they, was formerly called sauve or seneve. It was only towards the close of the fourteenth century that this name was changed. Philip the Bold, Duke of Burgundy, marching against the inhabitants of Ghent, who had revolted from him, and the city of Dijon having supplied him for this expedition with a thousand men at arms, the prince, in gratitude, granted to the city, amongst other privileges, that of bearing his arms with his motto, Molt Metard, the whole of this was carved on the principal gate of Dijon, but an accident having destroyed the middle word, the two others, molt tard, caused many a smile at the expense of the Dijonais, and as they traded in Seneuve, mustard, this grain was called in derision moutard when it came from Dijon, a name it has preserved ever since. If this etymology is not true, at least it is ingenious. 
Coriander, among the Romans, appears to have possessed the same property as mustard, that is to say, they considered it was strengthening and digestive. They employed it also in a very useful manner during the great heat of summer. They mixed it with vinegar after it had been well bruised or pounded, and laid it over any kind of meat, which this coating preserved in a perfect state of freshness. Pinney classifies the bitter seed of the lupin as a grain pertaining to that of wheat, and if you soak it, he says, in boiling water, it becomes so mild that it can be eaten. Zeno of Citium was of the same opinion. This philosopher, with all his wisdom, could not help showing his bad temper, even towards his best friends at times, but was very affable after he had quaffed several cups of delicious wine. One day he was asked for an explanation of this contrast in his temper. That is very simple, he replied. I am of the same nature as the lupins. Their bitterness is unsupportable before they are soaked, but they are of an exquisite mildness when they have been well steeped. We strongly doubt, nevertheless, whether this plant has ever been honored by the patronage of connoisseurs and people of delicate taste. A very high authority in cookery, Lysiphon of Chalice, used to say, with a kind of disdain, that this despicable plant was hardly good enough for the common fare of the mob, or to feast the guests at a beggar's table. It was principally used as food for cattle, and not without reason. If it be true that twenty pounds of lupins are sufficient to fatten an ox. The lovers of etymology, who may be classified in the family of readers of logogryphs, were in raptures at finding the following. The Latin name of lupinius has been given to this grain because the lupin wears out and destroys the land nearly as the wolf destroys and devours the flocks, whereupon they exclaimed with pride, Lupinius a lupo. At the period when the gods did not exact much, but were contented with humble offerings, men placed on the altars loaves made of linseed meal, a treat the immortal gratefully accepted, though certainly it would not much tempt us of the present day. The Asiatics afterward thought of pounding the linseed, frying it, and mixing it with honey. These cakes seemed to them too good for their divinities, so they ate them themselves. In the time of Pliny, the Lombards and Piedmontes ate this miserable bread of the gods, and even found it the most agreeable flavor. These nations have since improved their taste. Shall we mention hempseed, the cannabis of the ancients, which was served fried for dessert? That hemp should be spun and made into ropes, well and good, but to regale oneself with it after dinner, when the stomach is overloaded with food, and hardly moved from its lethargic quietude by the appearance of the most provoking 
viands that art can invent, what depravity, what strange perversion of the most simple elements of gastronomy. The Arabs, that wandering nation who are not yet acquainted with the roasting spit, nor the voluptuousness of a delicious repast, formerly intoxicated themselves with a beverage extracted from linseed. We, who are in possession of generous wine, let us deplore such excesses, and not imitate them. End of section 6 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.